Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6, if you'll turn with me. And before you get there, I, I, I want to go to the end of time, if you will, and, and read a, a couple of verses from Scripture at the end. And, and it's what we see the world coming to a close and, and standing before God. And the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw uh, the holy city and, and New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared for a bride adorned for her husband. He goes on to say about how he said, I will, I will dwell with them, and they're going to be my people, and I'm going to be their God. And he says that this will never end. And the Bible says, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be, listen to this, no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, nor there shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Pain is over, passes over, goodbyes, tears, funeral, cancer, all of it's gone forever. You'll never have to pay another bill. You'll never have to borrow money. You'll never have to deal with another temptation for the rest of your life. There will be no calories in heaven. There will be no treadmills in heaven. There will be no diets in heaven. Why is that the only part that got you guys stirred up? What's up with that? And he that sat on the throne, behold, he said, I make all things new. Amen. And he said unto me, write these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto them a thirst, a fountain of water of life freely. It's what the Gideons do. It's what our missionaries do. That's what Fellowship Baptist Church does. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and they shall be my son. But it changes. Watch the sudden change. Because, man, I love to talk about no more pain, no more suffering, no more headaches, and none of this, and heaven, and home, and reunion, and family, and all this. But then he says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murders and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. See, the Bible is very specific here. The Bible is making a point. The Bible, hell is not a figure of speech. It's not a mystical place. It's not a metaphor. It's not a comparison. It is a place with fire and brimstone and hell and eternity. It never stops. It never ends. There's no do-overs. There's no going back. There's no saying, I'm sorry. It's it. But I think we get so caught up in the first verses that we forget about those that are still headed for the destination of the last verses. I, I've said this many times, when they stand before God, and, they, and then God declares that, behold, I never knew you. There's, there's no do-overs, there's no going back, there's no saying, hey, let me have another chance, there's not. But I, I, I thought of this while I was reading this passage, as much as there is no do-overs for them, there's no do-overs for us. I said, well, why would I want to do that over? I'm in heaven. No, you've got to understand you can't go back and say, hey, I wish I would have told you. Right, right, right. You, you can't go back as literally loved ones are being cast in eternal hell. At that point, you can't go there and say, hey, I messed up. I let pride get in my way. You know how I worked with you every single day for 30 years? I just didn't want to offend you. 
for them to turn and say, I would have given anything for you to offend me. There's no going back. There's, there's no do-over. And, and I, I, I think that some ways that we've become numb to hell because hell no longer applies to us. But we know that it is real. And we know that the people around us need Jesus. And we know that they need the gospel. But if we looked at, back on our week or our month or even our year, how many of us, I'm not talking about the Gideons, how many of us could say that I gave someone the gospel? I don't want to raise of hands. I think sometimes we can have missions and say, you go get them. We can have the Gideons and we say, man, love what you do. But then God puts it on us. I'm not here to beat you up. I promise. I, I, and I, I feel like, man, I, I started into this message and a lot of times, this is the thing that we we get up and and don't get me wrong it is a command it is your duty it is your responsibility you are commissioned all the above but I I I want to back up for a minute because I I I don't want to beat you up I don't want people going on there man I just feel like man I'm worthless and I can't do anything right and all he did was get mad at me and now I feel that's not my goal it's not my goal but have you ever stopped to wonder why I don't witness more I mean, honestly, I, I'm talking to every pastor, Gideon, missionary, and teacher, preacher here. I'm talking to all of us right now, okay? Because let's be honest, we're all guilty of this. We are all guilty of this. I had a repairman in my house yesterday. Stood there talking to him about everything. He leaves my house. And then it's literally in my heart thinking, I, I, I never mentioned anything about God, church, or anything. And you say, well, you know, hey, you, you shouldn't even be up there right now. It's okay if we're all a little transparent here. Is that okay? Because conviction set in afterwards and says, how dare you preach on something that you're not completely doing yourself. And I'm not saying that we don't. But I'll be honest, if we were to get real, real with each other and with our hearts and minds, we would honestly say, I've tried that. What difference does it make? Because we live in a culture that is so anti-God and anti-church and anti-Bible and, and we're the radicals and fanaticals and, and we're, we're weird for giving money to the church. We're weird for showing up. We're weird for tithing. We're weird for missions. We're weird for everything we do. We're just weird. So we, we, we were counterculture. But all of a sudden, we've heard the words, leave me alone, stop preaching at me. We get called names, and after a while, we become passive. We lose our tears. We stop caring. Until that day of separation comes, and all of a sudden, the flashback of all this is going to come back in our minds going, why didn't I wake up then? Why, 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 why didn't, what was going through my heart and mind all that time of being so apathetic and passive? For every Christian, I want to take a passage and I want to just not give it the way that I've given it before and I don't want to just do and say things that are so cliche. I want to be really real and transparent with why I, and what I'm saying with this. The Bible coincides Old Testament and New Testament. We're going to look at Psalm 126, 5 and 6 from a different angle. 
But before I get there, Mark 4.14, the Bible gives this comparison. Jesus preached this message a second time in the New Testament when he said, the sower sow with the word. So I, I want you guys to know, I'm not, I'm not making up this illustration. I'm not trying to take creative liberties with what I'm saying. But the Bible is preaching the sower going forth to sow. Now listen to this. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now this is an illustration. We, we like to illustrate things. The illustration uh, being that a sower goes out and he sows and then it plants and then or, or, or grows and then he harvests it. And it's, it's something that spoke to their culture because it's something they all did. But let me give you some three basic principles that we're going to pull from this, okay? Number one, don't overcomplicate it. Number one, don't overcomplicate it. Obey God's simple command. He that goeth for weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again. Now you can imagine, and I almost did this where I was going to get a bag of seed and illustrate this. God literally gives the command to them and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take truth. And there's different ways of distributing the truth. And I'll explain that in a minute. And God says, can you do this? If you don't know how to do this, you could probably look at a two-year-old because they're really good at this. That's literally, the bearing precious seed was literally, take it and give it. Take what you have and throw it into the world. Take what you have and give it to others. That is the basic principle. And you say, well, we all know that. Listen, listen to this. We get so wrapped up in saying, what, did I say the right things? Were they listening? I, I, I hope I worded that right. I, I, I wonder if I offended them. Stop. Just do what God said. Amen. We're not out to please them. We're out to please God. Amen. Take what God has given us and share it. We complicate things. Man, I mean, we, we have the idea that God has given us the gospel and we're, we're to give three points, a poem, an outline, an invitation, just as I am in an altar call in the, island, uh, in the Isle of Walmart. It doesn't work that way. All of a sudden, we, we have this idea of, of sharing the gospel, but I'll tell you, we're very good about sharing things. Let me prove a point. A little audience participation here. How many of you, you better, you got to be honest with me, okay? How many of you, there's a button on Facebook, it's down in the corner, and it says S-H-A-R-E. How many of you have ever shared something on Facebook? Raise your hand right now. I want, raise it high, keep raising it up. I want to see it. More than half of you. You know what it is? I'm on my phone or computer or, you know, iPad or whatever, and I come across a picture, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, hey, everyone needs to see this. This is a big deal. I want them to experience what I am seeing right now. So you say, I am going to share this. The number one pictures, and, and um, there's a lot more of these. There was hundreds of these, but they, these are the number one things shared. Number one, literally, uh, out of all the statistics polled, I don't care what people think of me. At least mosquitoes find me attractive. I'm not making this up. I literally pulled this from the Google statistics of, uh, of things that were shared most on that. Number two, a cat in a bag. 
a cat that does not guard your house, that does not bark when people come up, that only love you when they want something in a bag. With, uh, this is number three. How many of you have seen this? One of the most shared, this lady goes in a store, she buys the mask, when you open your mouth, you sound like Chewbacca. She recorded herself and it went viral. Literally viral. She has been on talk shows and everything else. Why? Because somebody saw something that they thought was worth sharing with other people. And I'm telling you, we're all guilty of it. When it comes to heaven and hell, nobody cares about dancing monkeys. I know I'm being funny, but at the same time, I am not. When it comes to all of eternity, people don't care how funny your meme is and how we're able to put ourselves out there with something political or put ourselves out there with something debatable or put there's, you know, gun control or politics or somebody said this, and man, I'm going to put it out there. Why aren't we that burdened to put out their truth that will save them from all eternity? I'm just being real with you. We don't have a problem with sharing. But I think it's a hard thing that I, I, I see this goofy picture or even some, a picture that I take myself of like, here's my feet, you know, and you can, you know, or all these weird things that we, and we're willing to share it with everyone. It's just truth. We must get the mindset of sharing God's word is as much part of our nature as sharing pictures of the goofy stuff that we share on Instagram, Twitter, and everything else. We, we complicate this. So let, let, me, let me just bring this home a little bit and, and, and share some things. Last week when we had missions, that, that's, that's this, okay? Ch- checking, taking a card and saying, God, yes, I'll give $10 a month or I'll give $100 or $500 a month. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. I'm going to share the truth to, to them in Africa and, and, and Afghanistan and around the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. And God said, was that hard? And then we have it to where we have the Gideons and, and we, we take a Bible and we plant that seed and all of a sudden somebody's able to pull it out of their drawer and read and have their life change. And you'll hear a little more about that in a minute. Yesterday, there was a group that had an idea and Kim Mitchell and these guys pulled it together and they told me about it. And I said, I don't, I don't know what to expect from that. Really, it's, it's out of the box. And they said, well, geez, we just want to get the word out. So they ordered these signs. And I don't even know how many of you realize that they did this. And they put these in front of our church yesterday. Come in now for prayer. Stop and pray. Yeah. And I know right now there's going to be skeptics that sit there and say, oh, that's just stupid. You know, just let me tell you the one that wants to get in our heads to tell us everything that we do is stupid is Satan. He'll tell you they don't listen, they don't care, they won't stop or whatever. They had 18 cars line up for prayer yesterday. Eight, 18 cars pulled in off the street saying, I want something, I'm hurting. Two of the people in those cars accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior yesterday. Two of them. Uh, say, well, that's just stupid. Well, Satan thinks so too. On top of that, they went to our children's department before they did this, and they had all these kids sit there, and they wrote letters from children 
And then they gave them to all the people that went through there and said, we not only love you, but we want you to know that our church loves you. And these are from kids. And they all sat down and made these cards and they passed them out. One of the cars was leaving. And as they were leaving, he literally stopped and they watched him put it in park, pull out that card, read the card, pull up to the next person that was working out there and say, will you tell and name the kid on the card that this means so much to me? Amen. We have complicated this. We've complicated it. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I don't have the words to say. What if they ask me a question? Whatever it is, this coming Wednesday, we're expecting thousands of people to walk through the doors of our church. You say, what's going to happen? I don't know. But I just need everybody to stand there and do that, literally, with candy, but I mean with the gospel too. (laughs) The gospel will change their life. Candy will rot their teeth, but the gospel will change their life. The Bible says we're called to be salt, we're called to be light. Sometimes, I think we miss this when Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what that means to me? That what God has given to me should not only be heard but seen. And I am not going to give you that gospel that I just just live it. I I don't tell it. You should tell it too, okay? Anybody that has that mindset that I'm just a, you know, a glow stick for Jesus and you walk through life just trying to buzz around, that, that sounds good. But I tell you, if you are truly a light, they will want to know where the light's coming from. But at the same time, your attitude in the line and your way that you treat other people and the way that you respect that waiter that's taken too long and everything else is you shining the light that something's different about you. I have Jesus in me, which was the gospel. I, I, I've, been, I've been changed by truth. And that gospel in me, the truth in me, Jesus in me, the word made flesh in me. You know what all that is? It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, peace. I, may, I don't know the rest of the verse. You know what I'm talking about. It comes out. And in the line at Walmart, where I just see somebody and I say, hey, can I pray for you? And they would just, just somebody walk you through the yard and they say, the yard looks good. And says, well, God's really been good to me. And I'm not saying you leave it there, but I'm saying do what you can to get the truth out. Amen. Amen. But sometimes we're such horrible neighbors, we don't want to admit we're Christians. We don't want to share that. Because our bad attitude and us getting mad and kicking the neighbor's dog and all that has ruined our opportunity. So I asked you again, when was the last time you did this? Because it's not just a Gideon's job, it's not just a pastor's job, it's not just a missionary's job, it's all of our job. To take what God has given you of your testimony, to invite somebody to the church, to, to, to give them hope, to, to share with them goodness. Here's the next thing I pull from this. Number one, don't overcomplicate it. Number two, remember there's power in the seed. And I'll be honest, somebody swiped my illustration off the pulpit. We're going to make do with this, okay? And they probably just thought it was trash, but it's all good. I did this on Wednesday night a while back, and I, I, I took two things in my hand. And, and some of you guys were here for that. And I, I took two things in my hand, and one was a seed, and one was a pebble. In the eyes of all of you, you'd sit there and say, hey, 
That doesn't make a difference. I, I don't see the difference of what you have in your hand. And a lot of times we have that mindset when it comes to evangelism and church and working and things like that. Let me tell you right now what we have. What we have right here is not the same thing as anything that's in the world. Amen. It's not a, it is a science book, but it's not the same science book that they teach in college. Amen. This is, it's a philosophy book, but it's not the junk you're going to hear from the world. That Paul was saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in this. If, if I was to take the pebble, and I was to throw that pebble on the ground, and that, that pebble would do nothing. Nothing. It, it would be there uh, tomorrow. It would be there a hundred years from now. It has no effect because there's no power in the pebble. But the illustration that Bible tells us is going forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again. And the Bible says in Mark that the seed is the word of God. See, when I give that and I, I, and I share that with somebody the same way that a seed, that seed has the potential, that seed that's this big has the potential of feeding an entire country. It, it will grow up to be strong, and there's, there's parts about it that you don't even understand. There's, there, it's, it's big, it's strong, it's powerful. It, it's got the taste of the apple, it's got the strength of the tree, it's got the leaves that turn green, it's got the seeds that reproduce seeds. All in something this big. Say, what difference does my testimony make? difference does it make just to hold somebody's hand and say can I pray with you Lord we know that you are God and Lord you saved me and thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ and I pray for my brother that I work with right now and ask Lord that you'll help them through this hard day you said what difference does that make plant that seed and once see what happens this is the thing that we get so discouraged about we'll plant it and go that did nothing this whole witnessing thing, the pastor says, get out there and tell everybody about Jesus. That didn't do anything. You know the thing about seeds? They don't just happen overnight. See, all of a sudden, we've got these callous hearts and minds, and you start telling people that, do you know we're sinners? Do you know that Jesus died for you? You, you know that you might think that you're a horrible person because you're in jail or going to jail or because you've made mistakes and all of this. And they're saying, ah, you don't need that. But all of a sudden, you don't understand. You've already, you've already given them truth. God, the, the word of God has already breathed into their heart and mind. God's always already spoken to them because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your labor was not in vain because it was not you speaking it was God speaking through you because you are an ambassador. You carry the truth. You are light. But that day comes where they're suicidal or they're thinking that life isn't worth it or nobody cares about me. And God whispers back into their mind, you matter to me. What difference does it make? God says it's, don't underestimate the power of that seed. Don't, don't underestimate the power of what I'm doing through all of that. And I think when we battle that in our hearts and minds thinking, and, and, and Mark 4 explaining, by these they went by, some went by the wayside where the word of God is sown. But when they heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. There's a spiritual battle all the time. 
But let me tell you, as much as that spiritual battle is over that seed, it starts with you. For every time that you're thinking, I'm going to go witness or share with somebody or whatever, and you're sitting there and Satan goes, it won't matter. You're going to be the weirdo at work. Get ready for the labels. Here you go, holy roller. You th- they already think you're weird because you asked off on Sundays and da-da-da-da-da. That does not come from God. So I ask every one of us the question, where does it come from? So God calls us to this. The seed, it changes. But let me give you the last one. We'll be done. Number one, don't overcomplicate it. The Bible says just give it. Your testimony, the love of God, it's, it's the truth, all these things. Don't overcomplicate it. The Bible says don't forget what you're giving. Not your advice. It's not what football is going on. I'm, I'm not talking about who, who, who ran the last touchdown in the game. I'm talking about truth, testimony, prayer, pointing them to God. And number three, no effort equals no results. Or you could put it, no effort equals casualties. The Bible gives this principle, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. That is this whole illustration. If you don't plant a plant, you will reap no fruit. You guys get that? If you're not sharing God, there will not be people saved. We're not putting Bibles in places if we're not supporting missionaries. If we're not opening our mouth and we sit there and pray, God, there are a bunch of heathens. They cheat on their timesheets. They don't treat me right. My boss is a jerk. And God's saying, that's because they don't know me. God, they need you. And God says, well, I sent you. So. So. So.